I can see with Moses there on a rock watching the battle. Two fellas there with him and they just noticed that whenever Moses' hands were raised it looked good. <clears throat> the battle went their way. But they noticed as Moses grew weary and tired his hands began to drop the battle would turn against him. <clears throat> Thank God for two people that would notice that, that would see that. Two people that would have enough understanding and they came up, the Bible says, and when Moses was too weary <clears throat> to hold his hands up himself, they stood right by him and they held his hands up in the air because as long as his hands were in the air, the battle was theirs. Can I just tell you this morning, find a praiser and watch them. Find somebody that's learned how to truly give God glory. Somebody that knows what it's like to lift their hands in the middle of a battle. Somebody that knows what it's like to cry out unto the Lord amidst all the melee of their life. Somebody that knows the importance of sometimes getting off alone by yourself and just spending some time with the Lord. Watch them. I will tell you, give you a little secret. That's the person you want to rally around. That's the person you want to watch. That's the person you want to gather around and say, let's, let's find victory together. I, I kind of wonder how they even noticed that. I remember <clears throat> years ago, there was a saying I heard, and I've even said it a few times myself. If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, looks like a duck, it's probably a duck. How obvious that statement might be. I'd like to add something to that and tell you it's probably a duck unless God says different. <laughs> and if I could title it this morning, what I want to share with you just for a few minutes, that might actually be the title I would 
put on this message this morning, maybe help you remember it. It's probably a duck unless God says different. And I had come prepared to have a whole different ball game here, but this is the way the Lord is leading this morning. And I want to go with what I feel in my heart. So often in the Word of God, we see stories of things that appeared one way, but God had other plans. I have heard people share the story of the three Hebrew children and how that it would have been easy for them to compromise. All you had to do was kneel a little bit. All you had to do was give in a little bit, and then you could have gone back to your home and lived any way you wanted to live. You could have continued to pray as Daniel did three times a day. You could have gone about eating that special diet that was just for you. It would have been easy for you just to take that one moment in your walk and just give in a little bit. Uh, that, that one time, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been the end of your walk with God. And, and, and as somebody said, as they looked back over it, that most likely, even if later they had come to the realization that they had made an error and that they did something wrong, God would have forgiven them and they would have been able to go on with their life and do great and wonderful things. And that probably is true, absolutely. But I, I see a different story in the Word of God that these three Hebrew children were determined that at no point in their walk would they do anything that would even in a little bit taint or blemish or cause any stain on their walk with God. They were prepared if they had to, to follow him into that fiery furnace. The devil sought to give them plenty of opportunity to compromise. You know what? In your life, I'm here to tell you that the devil will offer you many opportunities to, to compromise in your walk with God. He will tell you all kinds of stories. It will be all kinds of things that will come to you. There will be opportunity after opportunity after opportunity that you could give in just a little bit, that you could slide, just a momentary slide, that you could do something that would not be the end of the world. It wouldn't even be the end of your walk with God, but it just wouldn't quite have the power that you want and need in your life. And, and it would just 
be a, a little moment, a little opportunity of doubt, a little opportunity to throw in a little bit with the enemy, a little opportunity to find an avenue out of that situation that you were in. You might even get on the other side of it and, and try to give God thanks that he brought you through. But I want you to understand something. If you had to compromise, if you had to give in, if you had to somehow lay aside your own integrity to get on the other side, it was not God that brought you through it. It was your own doubt and fear. And they knew that. They understood that. And so they committed themselves and they said, Oh, king, we want you to understand something. That if you throw us in that fiery furnace, so be it. We will gladly get thrown in. But we will not kneel to Baal. We will not bend a knee to anyone other than Jehovah our God. It cannot be. It will not be. It must not be. I don't care if there's an opportunity later to recoup our life and get it all together. We will not allow this one blemish. And they stood firm. The story tells us, as you know it, you've heard it in Sunday school, many of us, that they would not bow the knee. And so the Bible says they bound them in ropes and they cast them into that furnace that had been lit hotter than it had ever been. The Bible tells us seven times hotter than it was normally. You see, when you take a stand, things happen. When you decide in your life that you're going to do what God has called you to do, the enemy is going to heat it up a little bit. When you make up your mind that you're not going to compromise and you're not going to give in and you're not going to allow anything the enemy brings against you to cause you to turn and run and hide, I am here to tell you that that enemy will get stirred up and they will get angry and the furnace of your life is bound to heat up and there will be things that will come that have nothing to do with the integrity that is before you, but they will heat it up. They will bring it hotter. It is going to grow. Why? Because the enemy wants to intimidate you. Oh, can you imagine what it was like when they opened up that door and the two that opened up the door, the Bible said it was so hot it killed them instantly? And there the three Hebrew children were watching that whole thing happen. Why was all that done? Not because of anything else except the enemy trying to intimidate them, the enemy trying to hold them into that place where they would compromise and they would give in a little. You see, the king wasn't asking them to devote their whole life to Baal. The king wasn't asking them to declare that Baal is the only God. The king wasn't declaring all of these other things. He just wanted them to bend their knee. That's all he said. When, when all the music plays and all the stuff happens, I just want to see you get down on your knees. That's all I care about. You can think any way you want. You can talk any way you want. 
You can do anything else you want. I just want to see that little bit of compromise. A little bit of giving in. And they wouldn't do it. And if they had given in, guess what? One of the greatest miracles that you and I still talk about today never would have happened. The Bible said they threw them in. And the only thing the fire did to them was set them free. Now, there's a whole message in that. I'm not even going to get into that today. <clears throat> Want to be set free? Step into fire. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll touch that on a later date. How's it? I, I reserve the right to come back to that. <clears throat> the only thing the fire really did in the end was set them free and show them the power of God. The Bible said when they looked in the furnace, they said, Behold, now there are four. And, and one of them looks like he's the son of God. Yeah. You'd think maybe they'd learn something, wouldn't you? So, of course, they got out. Everybody noticed it was all different. Everybody was, woohoo! thank God, praising God. Because why? They had gone through it, and they had stayed true. Over and over and over again in Scripture, we find people that stayed true to their faith. Noah worked many, many, many years before the first drop of rain ever fell. He was in the fire, so to speak, the ridicule, the cutting up, the, the mocking, and all of that that was going on, and yet he stayed true. And not only him, but his whole family stayed true. Powerful testimony to what God can do. And I look at Gideon. I look at many of these others in the word of God that stayed true to their calling and stayed true to their purpose. They stayed focused. Even in the hardest times of their life. The Bible tells us in 2 Kings chapter number 6, as they were looking in the word of God, and I'm, we find in verse 16, and he answered, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And I want to focus this morning on if it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, looks like a duck, it's a duck. Unless God says different. Unless God says different. I want to be like Elijah. You know the story of Elijah? Can I just take a few minutes here and just give you some background? <clears throat> Elijah was a powerful man of God. The Bible said that king would come against them and would want to do great harm to them. The king of Syria would gather his armies, and it was a time of what they called the time of war. Apparently in those days, war was very much governed by the seasons. In the winter, there wasn't a whole lot of war going on because they weren't capable of doing so in the cold and the snow and all of that that was happening 
and so it often limited their abilities. But there was a time of war when it was just a custom that during this time period, then this is what happened. And so Syria would come against Israel, and the king of Syria would tell his people, all right, uh, next week we're going to move our forces over behind a, a certain hill. And we're going to lay in wait over there for the king of Israel to come by with his army. And when he does so, we're going to come out from hiding and ambush them and win a great victory. And so they would move their forces, they would hide them behind the hill, and they would sit there and wait. Well, it would be about that time that Elisha would come along and say, Oh, thank you, God, for this great vision. And he would come to the king of Israel. And Elisha would tell him, Look, you can go anywhere you want, but don't go by that hill over there. Because on the other side, there's an enemy. Doesn't that sound familiar? I think I, I read that back in the book of Genesis. You could eat any fruit you want, just not that one. Hmm. Think about that for a moment. But Elisha said, King, you go anywhere, just don't go over there. And so they would go a different direction. And the king of Syria would get furious because they knew that that was where Israel had been planning on going. Maybe they had spies. Maybe they had people that were watching them. And they knew that they were intending to go that way. The Bible tells us this happened repeatedly when the word of God would come to the prophet and the prophet would tell the king, go anywhere you want, just not over there. This week, don't go over there. Next week, don't go over there because there's an enemy that is hiding. You can't see him. You're not going to know he's there. He's waiting in ambush. It's going to look like it's a pretty good deal. But if you go in there, I promise you, the moment you walk through that valley, the moment you come over that hill, you will be encompassed and you will be destroyed. Do not go that way. Can you say thank God for people who will still preach that sin is sin? And who will still declare that immorality is still immorality? That people will declare that there is only one true God and his name is Jesus. I'm here to tell you that there are some times you just need to listen to what the word of God says and what the man of God says. I'm not telling you that for my glory, but I'm telling you that because there are times, and hear me, leaders in the household, I know I often talk about the leadership in the church, but there are times that leadership in the household needs to step up and say look I don't know what everybody else is doing but I prayed about this and as for me and my house this is the direction God said for us to go because there are times when God will work through other godly people that will speak into our lives truth. We need to embrace it. We need to hold on to it. What we're doing this morning is not just gathering so you can hear me rant and rave for 30 or 45 minutes. But we are looking into the word of God. We are saying what thus saith the word of God. It is important what we do. It is important when we gather 
gather together. It is important to embrace the teaching and the preaching that comes over this pulpit. It is important that we embrace the teaching and the preaching that comes out in our living rooms as we read in the word of God and, and one spouse will look over at the other spouse and say, did you read this? Look what this says. We've been doing it wrong. It is important that at every level of leadership we acknowledge and we respect and we look for those things. And that's not the topic of my message this morning. That's free. But we need to embrace it. We need to embrace it. Repeatedly he told them, don't do this. It's not going to end well if you go that way. And so the king, thankfully, of Israel would listen to him and would go a different direction. It got so bad that the king of Syria began to look for a mole among his own people. Don't you love it? I love when you get the enemy so upset he starts tearing himself up. He starts looking among his own people. Who here is going and telling the king of Israel what we're doing? Somebody here. And he began to look one by one among his own court people. And he began to ask them, all right, who, who, somewhere, somebody is cheating. Somebody is a spy. Somebody is leaking information. And I want to know who it is. But one of them, at least somebody over there, had a little bit of God sense. Isn't that wonderful? I wonder if that person eventually got saved. I hope. Maybe they're one later that converted to Judaism. I hope so. But they had enough sense of the power of God to say, wait a minute. I can tell you what's happening. I've heard tell of a man by the name of Elisha. And this fellow has a great connection with God. And every time you make a plan, guess what? God tells him about it. And that big old loud mouth, he goes and tells his king about it. And so every time you speak a word, God hears it. God tells Elisha. Elisha tells the king of Israel. And the king of Israel goes a different direction. And he said, I'm here to tell you that if you will just capture Elisha, <laughs> you want to... You want to be a spiritual leader? Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> because he said, I, I can tell you how to stop all of this. You go after the one that's got the connection with God. You go after the one that God speaks to. You go after the one that God relays this information to. You go back to the leadership of that group, whether it be in the home or whether it be in a division or whether it be in a community or whether it be in a church or whether it be in an organization. You go after that leadership. You tear down that leadership. You tear down that head. And I'm here to tell you that God will no longer be able to get the message through. So be careful what you ask for. But don't let that stop you from asking. Because we need good leaders. I look among our young people and I think, dear Lord, I pray that among them are some good, strong leaders. 
that will stand up one day and take this truth and keep walking should the Lord tarry and they will preach hard and they will preach fast and they will preach the word of God unadulterated, not giving in to the pressures of this world but preaching that sin is still sin, right is still right, wrong is still wrong and the truths of God are unerring forever. And so they, they listened to it. And they made up their minds. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go capture Elisha. And if we do that, then we're going to snip this thing off right there and it won't ever happen again. So they did that. They gathered. The Bible said they found out he was in a city by the name of Dothan. And because this venture was so critical and it was so important... They didn't just send 10 or 12 people, but the whole army. They sent enough that when they came after this enemy, they didn't just come after him, but they came after everybody that was close to him. What they said is we need Elisha, but in order to get Elisha, we're going to circle the entire city. We're going to make sure that there's no way of escape for anybody. We're going to make sure that there's no route out for anybody. We're going to circle the entire city. Everybody that is with him. Everybody that's associated with him. Everybody that is close to him. Everybody that's in his household. Everybody that's his neighbor. Everybody that listens to his weekly Bible studies. Everybody that gathers with him. We're going after all of them, but we're going to focus on him. And so word comes that that's exactly what happened. So understand you get close to a prayer you're going to get close to the blessings but you're going to get close to the fallout too. <laughs> You're going to get sucked into that battle whether you like it or not. But I'll tell you what, no place else I'd rather be. I don't know who was the loud mouth among Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I don't know who was the one that spoke everything. If they agreed together and they all three spoke, if one was their spokesman. But I kind of figured there was one of them that just was a little bit more loud mouth than the rest of them. <clears throat> he just spoke up. And the others were there with him, and they agreed and followed. You know, you, close proximity, your friends, you're going to get caught. And the servant comes out, and he looks up in the mountainside. And I'm going to bring this to a relative close quickly, so follow me close. The servant looks up into the hillside, and he sees the enemy encircling them. He sees all of the enemy that are there. And they've got their swords. They've got their spears. They've got their chariots. They've got every weapon and armor that anybody would ever use in a battle. And they looked formidable. If you looked on them, 
you would be shaking in your boots. Why? Because they encircled a city that didn't have that. Dothan had no army. Dothan had no defenses. Dothan had nobody there that even knew how to use a sword. All of those were off somewhere with the king because the king was traveling about at the time of war. And so all of the army was with the king. They were off somewhere fighting their own battles. But Dothan was wide open. There was nobody there to defend it. And so when they looked up into the hill, Gehazi, Elisha's servant looked up there and all he saw was defeat. He came busting in the room. He said, Elisha, you got to understand, there's no way out. There's nowhere to go. This has defeat written all over it. When I look up there, I see swords, I see spears, I see chariots, I see the enemy all around, I see the armament, I see all the battles that they've got. They are ready. These are seasoned men of war. They've been through several battles in their life. They know how to win. They know how to fight. They know how to destroy. They know how to conquer. And they've gathered against us, and we have no defense. We have no army to stand in their path. We have no field of battle to join them in. We're in our homes. We're in our streets. We're in our own city. And we've got nowhere to go. There's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to run to. Everywhere we go, they will find us. We have nowhere to run. And there's nobody nobody that will stand in the way this is defeat this is the end this is when it's all going to be taken care of we've had a good run of it I've enjoyed being your servant Elisha I've enjoyed seeing the hand of God at work but I don't believe we're getting out of this because what I see is defeat what I see is an enemy what I see is somebody that I have no power or ability to stand against what I see is somebody that has weapons at their disposal I don't have what I see is an enemy that has weapons not only at their disposal but they are seasoned at using them they are equipped with every modern thing of the day they know exactly what to do they know when to do it they are fielded and they are tested and they are tried and they are true to their cause I don't know how to fight against that. Maybe I've never held a sword in my life. Maybe when he looked over at the prophet, he said, you don't understand. I don't have any armor. I don't have a sword. I don't have a spear. And if I did, I wouldn't even know how to use them. Because this enemy is so more well equipped than I. 
It looks like a duck. Quacks like a duck. Walks like a duck. Must be a duck, right? It would be a duck. But God said different. The Bible said the prophet laid his hands on him and said, Dear God, open up his eyes. Let him see as I see. Let him look into the hills and see what I see. And the Bible says that when he was done praying for the servant amidst all of the melee of the battlefield that had given the circumference of that city and encircled it above that, up in the hills and up in the sky, the Bible says he saw what Elisha saw. He understood what Elisha understood. It might look like a duck. It might quack like a duck. It might walk like a duck. But God says it ain't no doubt, friend. Can you imagine what a legion of angels could do? The Bible tells me one time in the Word of God that God sent the angel of death, one angel, as it made its way through Israel. Hundreds and thousands lost their lives because of punishment. Hundreds and thousands lost their lives because of sin that had been in their life. Because of one angel. One angel. Can you imagine what a whole army of angels could accomplish? And I don't know what's going on in our lives, but I feel this in the Holy Ghost this morning. We've got to understand. God has the last say in everything. God has the declarative truth in all that happens. Until God says it, it is not done, and it is not finished, and it is not over. Until God looks on my life, and God looks at your life, and he makes a declaration of what's going to happen. Friend, I am telling you, it is not over. It is not done. It is not finished. It is not complete. You might have the enemy encircling you, but that does not mean it is over. That doesn't mean it's going to end. That all only means that God has not had his say yet. I don't care if it looks like defeat to you. If God doesn't say it's defeat, it's not defeat. I don't care that it looks like trouble to you. God has a different word for it. He calls it victory. I don't care what it is that you see when you look around you. God is going to have a different story. And God is going to have a different picture. It just means that somewhere like the two servants, we've got to be watchful. We've got to be aware of what's happening. When those arms begin to fall, you've got to notice that I found out that when I pray and when I worship, things happen. So I'm going to get in there and lift those arms back up again. It takes a watch. Eye. 
And somehow the prophet knew if he could just get the servant to, to see what he saw. If he could just get the servant's eyes to be opened to what he saw. Then the whole story changes. The whole picture is much different. <laughs> the Bible says that they brought the armies down. Don't you love that? They sent the messenger down. Where's Elisha? Oh, you know what? Follow me. I'll take you to him. Be careful what you ask for. I know right where to take you. The Bible said Elisha prayed for blindness. See, Gehazi already had blindness. He needed to see sight. He prayed blindness on the enemy that they would not know who he was. And he brought them down, and, and <laughs> there they are with all of their armaments, all of their swords and spears and chariots and horses and all of their armor and all of their skill. And they're following a man of God who just knows how to talk to God and knows how to listen when God speaks. He said, follow me. I'll take you to the prophet. Walked him right in. <clears throat> the Bible said walked him right into the city, the main city there <laughs> in Israel. Told the king, get ready. I'm bringing some enemies by. Walked him right in. And after they got in there, can I think of a better, better example of coming to church? Bring your troubles to church, friend. Brought them in and said, God, open their eyes. Let them see where they are. Woo! <clears throat> I saw a picture on Facebook. A guy had his wife over his shoulder said, the pastor said, bring your troubles to the altar. I'm not talking about that. Because <clears throat> it could go the other way, too. <laughs> But brought him right in. And the circle er became the circle E. And if you know the story, this always cracks me up. The king comes running out, said, Oh, shall we slay him? It's always going to be somebody comes in at the end. You know, you got people like that at work. You work like a dog seven hours and 45 minutes and they come in the last 15 minutes and want to join in on all the credit. That's what the king did. He said, look, just give them some food send them home. Why? There doesn't need to be a battle here today. There doesn't need to be a fight. Nobody needs to lose their life. The enemy is already defeated. He just didn't know it. He just didn't understand it. I'm here to tell you this morning 
Some of us are allowing all of the distractions of the enemy to rip us apart. We're allowing it to affect our home life. We're allowing it to affect our jobs. We're allowing it to affect our relationships, our church, our ministry, our outreach, our worship, and our praise. I would dare say there are some that even have a hard time at times lifting a hand and worshiping because in the back of their minds, the devil is keeping all this junk stirred up. Because he's trying to get your focus off of the things of God and on to the problems that you face. He has already emotionally, mentally, and perhaps even physically encircled you. And they put up a good show. They brandish their armor. They brandish their swords and their spears. And they tell you that there is no way out. Every avenue is covered. This is going to be your life from now on. It walks like a duck. It quacks like a duck. It looks like a duck, but it ain't no duck because God said different. He took away their ability to even use all of that stuff. They might have still had it. They might have had the look. But when those men came down out of that mountain, they were not an army. They might have looked like it. They might have walked like it. They might have sounded like it. They might have clanked like it as metal went against metal. And as horses wrought those chariots down, it might have looked every bit like they were an army. But when they walked in that city, they were no longer an army. They were a captive group of people that had given in even though they didn't know it. Why? Because God said... Because God said. So whatever you're battling as we all stand and whatever you are facing, I don't care if it's physical. I don't care if it's emotional. I don't care if it's spiritual. Whatever it is you are facing, I have come today to remind you that it ain't over until God says it. And that enemy has no power unless God gives it to him. And that enemy might declare to you that they are all kinds of things, but they are nothing unless God declares it to be so. It might look like a duck. It might walk like a duck. It might 